We have two matters for hearing this morning. Um, proposed amendments to the rules of evidence and proposed amendments to the rules of criminal procedure. Um, we'll take the rules of evidence first. Um, Ms. Connors, you're here to speak on behalf of the committee, as I understand it. Welcome. Good morning. My, my name is Katie Connors. I'm here on behalf of the Rules of Evidence Committee. Uh, we're here because of an amendment that's being proposed to the Rule 1101 um, that the court examined in State v. Willis. So over deliberation in the committee, our proposal is to modify the rule somewhat to carve out some exception to restitution hearings that you would not be required to meet the requisite foundation under the rules of evidence in the case of a business record. So um, I served on the subcommittee that examined this issue and the subcommittee was made up of some people from the rules of evidence committee and also some people from the rules of criminal procedure committee. And I think to talk about why we got to this place, I think it's helpful. Can I ask one question before yes. that though? So yes. it, you said it was made up of members of the rules of evidence and the rules of criminal procedure. Yes. Um, what was the makeup as far as district court or prosecution defense? Can you tell me that? Yes, um, from the rules of evidence committee, it was myself, I'm a public defender in Ramsey County here. <clears throat> um, there was Judge Larson from Anoka County who headed the subcommittee. And could not be here today, which is why I'm here. Um, and then Judge Karasov was from the Rules of Evidence Committee. And I'm trying to remember who else was from our committee. And then on the other side, I know there, oh, I believe, I wanna say Shane Baker was on the subcommittee, but I'm, don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> then uh, from the Rules of Criminal Procedure, it was Judge Kyle. Um, it was, um, I cannot remember his name, but he was a city of Minneapolis prosecutor who served from there, and I can't recall who else was from the criminal procedure. So it was a mix of prosecutors and defense and judges. Um, so anyway, to talk about how we came to this amendment, I think it's helpful to kind of talk about my journey here. Obviously, I'm a defense attorney, and I went into this saying they shouldn't be changed, the rules of evidence should apply to restitution hearings, and through the work of the subcommittee, I realized that while I have that very staunch position on one side, the prosecutors have a very staunch position on the other side. And you know, their big issue was that <clears throat> restitution hearings are very burdensome. It is very difficult to get people to come in and testify. Um, the example that kept coming up in subcommittee was we have a mechanic who fixed a car and that mechanic doesn't wanna come in and testify at a restitution hearing. And so <clears throat> can't we come up with something to kind of alleviate that concern and the burdensomeness that it puts on the prosecution, but also something that addresses the fact that this is a serious matter. Um, money is very uh, important for our clients. If they're ever to get on their feet again, become productive members of society, civil judgments that come out of these restitution hearings can really impede that for them. And it's important to have the rules of evidence apply to make sure that we're getting to the truth of what is owed. And so, though I came into the subcommittee really having one position, I realized that as a committee member, we're about trying to figure out what the compromise is between the two positions. And that's why we ultimately came to this amendment that we've proposed today. So, some other considerations that were discussed at the committee meetings <coughs> were that it, it really is a small number of hearings 
that this happens. Um, in my 12 years as a public defender, I've maybe had 12, or not 12, three actual hearings where there was testimony. So when you're getting to the point where you actually have um, a contested hearing with witnesses, with evidence, it's because there is a real material issue at, 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 um, at play there. And so you need to have that hearing to make sure you're getting to the truth of it. Most of the time, if I even contest restitution in the first place, which has a lot of factors that need to go into it. I need to get my client to sign an affidavit. I need to state the issues that I'm contesting with specificity. I need to say there is actually an issue here. So a judge could deny the hearing even at that point if there's not an issue. Um, I need the client to come in, all these things. But most of the time, after we take a look at it with the prosecutor, we see, all right, well, yes, this amount is justified, this amount isn't, and we come to an agreement and we just agree to the Counsel, was there any discussion in the group uh, what the impact will be uh, if on this rule change, if that's going to result in more hearings? Because I know, for example, Ramsey County does all of their sentencing hearings in a block in the afternoon. Was there some discussion about whether that's going to change the norm, as you say, which is that they weren't very often? Do you think that the group, did the group talk about that? We did. Um, and one of the things that we talked about were, okay, Willis came out, I think, in 2016. Has anybody noticed any uptick in restitution hearings? And no one really had. And I mean, just for myself, I had always operated as though the rules of evidence applied, and I still didn't have very many hearings. So um, we did talk about that, but it, there didn't seem to be any change since Willis had come down in the amount of restitution hearings. And, and in Ramsey County, if we have a restitution hearing, we don't do it on that sentencing calendar. We actually set a special day usually to have the hearing if there's going to be witnesses and testimony. Um, so the other thing that was brought up is whether this is going to be used to harass victims or <clears throat> re-victimize people, things like that. And, you know, we just, again, when we talked about it, nobody had really had an example where that had happened um, because the truth of the matter is that the state and the defense really don't like having these hearings. Like at that point, the case is done. We're not looking to do anything unnecessary at that point. And so the hearing is really only happening if there is a real issue about what the restitution amount is. Um, and, and frankly, if the rules of evidence didn't apply, the defendants still have a right to this hearing. They could still subpoena the victim. I mean, whether the rules of evidence apply or they don't doesn't change the danger of that. And in fact, the rules of evidence protect the people because you can only talk about relevant evidence. It's got to be related to um, whether the defendant can pay and whether the charges are related to what happened. So <clears throat> the rules of evidence could actually aid with, um, with victims or making sure that they're not being harassed. Um, and then the final thing that we really considered was that you know, as I said, I always operated as though the rules of evidence applied here in Ramsey County, but out in Seal County, maybe the judge out there has a different opinion because it was not a clear issue until Willis came down. And so it really didn't provide uniformity across the state of what was happening during the restitution hearings. And by applying the rules of evidence with this one caveat that makes things a little bit easier for the prosecutor to um, prove the restitution amount, that it makes sure that there's uniformity across the entire state. So those were kind of the things that we considered and why we came to this amendment. Can I just ask for clarification? The only hearings we're talking about are under uh, 611A.045? Yes. The, those are the only types of restitution hearings? Correct. Okay. 
That's all I have. When we were looking at the language of the proposed um, revision, um, uh, we were thinking about uh, substituting in, actually putting in for restitution hearings held under Minnesota Statute 611A.045, subdivision 3B. And I assume that, I mean, I guess I should ask you, do you see any trouble with us inserting that and deleting in criminal and juvenile delinquency cases? You know, just making it more specific that we're talking about this particular type of hearing. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I don't see any reason why that would be a problem, because um, that is what we're talking about. I mean, there are some statutes that's, that specifically talk about restitution, but those statutes would still, you know, refer back to 045. So I don't think that that would be a problem or a change in what the committee's intent was. And possibly an improvement. Yes, it would be more specific. Okay. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Any other? Looks like we're good. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. And then the other speaker we have on um, the proposed amendments to the Minnesota Rules of Evidence is Catherine Middlebrook, Middlebrook from the Appellate Public Defender's Office. Welcome. Good morning. I'm Catherine Middlebrook, Chief Appellate Public Defender, and I'm here to um, talk to the court about that we are in support of the proposed amendment to Rule 1101 of the Rules of Evidence. I'm not going to repeat what uh, Ms. Connors talked to you about from the committee's perspective, but I just wanted to <clears throat> emphasize a couple of the points that um, were included in the comment that I submitted to the court. And I think the first most important thing is that this proposed change does make sure that the factual disputes that are litigated at the contested restitution hearing are decided on the most reliable evidence. And as part of that, the, what the ultimate goal is on these contested restitution hearings is that the fact finder, the judge, makes the final end result of the right amount of restitution. And as Ms. Connors pointed out, there aren't that many of these contested hearings. And that's because in order to get to the contested hearing, the defendant, both the state and the defendant, have to follow all of the, the procedures that are set out in the statute of 611A.045. And that includes the defendant having to specifically challenge those amounts with an, an affidavit very specifically on what is the disagreement and put forth enough evidence really right there or allegations to be able to for the judge to decide that there's a material issue of fact and that's when you get to the contested hearing there's also a strict timeline and if the court you know reviews any of the appellate decisions there's a a lot of the court of appeals decisions that they're very strict on if that 30-day time limit is missed, there is no challenge to that restitution order. And we see that over and over again. And on, as the appellate office, we see cases across the entire state. So the other really important thing that this proposal does is it promotes and provides uniformity statewide. And as you know, the, the whole judicial system is based on treating similarly situated litigants similarly. And this does that 
so that there aren't different procedures going on, there aren't different rules applied in these contested hearings. Um, and finally, um, I just want to point out that, you know, it came up a few times um, that this makes things so much more burdensome. It's so much more time consuming. And I can frankly tell you that is, we just don't see that. On appellate cases, and I'll just give you a few numbers, on, for our appeals, which we do almost, you know, the majority of the criminal appeals in Minnesota, we have very few contested revocation cases that are appealed. Most of the time, the restitution is not contested. It may be, you know, the majority of cases resolved by plea agreements. A lot of times the restitution is included in that plea agreement, and so there is no issue there. Um, the ones that maybe are contested, a lot of them settle, as Ms. Connors noted, um, once some things are pointed out that don't make sense, so they don't even get to the contested hearing. Um, I think what we see more of on the contested hearings are some of the bigger cases where they're the welfare fraud, the theft by swindle, there maybe is a lot of um, dispute on what exactly should the restitution be ordered for, and there's a lot of numbers, and that seems to be more of the contested hearings. Also, the restitution, you know, maybe seems like a lot of them aren't a lot of a huge amount of money, um, but again, as Ms. Connors pointed out, for an indigent client, an indigent defendant, even a smaller amount of restitution is a big deal to them, and particularly it may be the difference between being able to eat that week or pay their rent. And so those, that's why it is also really important to get the accurate amount that a defendant should have to pay for restitution. Um, and finally, I would just note that for the 25 years that the statute has been enacted that gave the defendants a right to the restitution hearing, again, there aren't that many hearings that go to a contested hearing, but even in that 25 years, the assumption has been that the rules of evidence apply, and there hasn't been this huge burden, this big time um, consuming hearings going on, and in fact, as far as you know, harassing victims, that we haven't really seen any of that either. And particularly since Willis was um, uh, decided by this court, we have not seen an increase in restitution hearings, nor have we seen any um, additional increased harassment of victims. It seems that that's really not a concern, and it didn't come up at the committee meetings either. So um, we'd encourage the court to adopt these proposals. It also, it also does, um, and I would like to commend this committee on the work they did bringing in both the rules of, rules of evidence committee and the criminal rules and working together to reach this compromise. Because I, you know, I think that you had parties on both sides, the stakeholders, one thought the rules of evidence should apply completely, which is where we were, but also that they shouldn't apply at all. They should be accepted out under the rule. And they reached this compromise to eliminate a lot of the um, burden and um, the evidence that was needed to come in. So um, for all those reasons, I would um, support the, the proposed um, amendment to Rule 1101 and ask the court to adopt that. Thank you. Any questions from the Any court? Questions. All right. Um, I want to thank both of our speakers. Um,
who spoke today on um, on the topic of the proposed amendments to the Minnesota Rules of Evidence and of course thank all the members of the committee and the subcommittee who worked so hard on this really important issue. This uh, matter is submitted.